1: From the Rocket Mortgage by Quick and Loan Studios, Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way, providing a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio, 855 2124 CBS, and that number brought to you by Geico. It's a toll free line at 855 212 4227 and it's brought to you by Geico. Did you know that right now, Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies? That's on top of what Geico could already save you. So, what are you waiting for? Visit geico.com to learn more. Got a lot already in today, and I started off the show, can anybody knock off the Kansas City Chiefs? The Titans made a statement on Tuesday, and I'll go off on a tangent about it again. I know what Matthew Barry said about Tuesday night football, and I think it's, I think it's not very good. I do not like a Tuesday night football game, and I'll tell you why. We will watch. We will watch. We watch every time you put something else out there. We will watch. We will watch Wednesday football. We will watch Thursday football. We already do. We'll watch Friday night NFL football. We'll watch Friday night NFL football at midnight. It doesn't matter. We will watch. We you have football, we'll watch it. You've proven anything you do, we're going to watch. There has never been anything that the NFL has done that I can think of in the last 20 years that we have completely rejected anything in terms of watching the game anything that's ever been rejected to the point where they're going to go okay we'll go back there's been things on the field there's been certain calls and certain things of uh, of what the rules have been where they've they've either went back on it offensively or they've 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 tweaked they have never once given you something and then went back they opened up the combine you watch the combine they moved around the draft Now we can't get enough of the draft. The whole cottage industry of the offseason is there. We love football in this country, and I don't need to say any more further about it. But it doesn't mean we're going to always like it. We watch Thursday night football. We do. The numbers are there. They're not very high in comparison to Sunday and Monday and some of the other ones, but we still watch it. It doesn't mean we like it. And that's something that I think that a lot of the NFL insiders – They don't get, yeah, we watch it, and I love football as much as anybody, so I'm going to find ways to love it. I don't think they know that, yeah, we'll watch it. It doesn't mean we're liking it. People always roll their eyes at Thursday Night NFL football. Great, here we go. Sloppy football, but we're still going to look at it. Doesn't mean we're really in love with it. For a Thursday night game, there's only one good thing about Thursday night football, and that's if your team's playing and your team wins. That's it. It's really not even good if it's your team playing because then you're all worked up about a Thursday night game. You don't want to be worked up on Thursday night. You want to have a good time on Thursday night. It's Thursday night. Almost the end of the week, boom, you're going to go to work on Friday. You're going to nurse a little bit of a hangover maybe because you're looking to go out and have a good time. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, boom, away you go. You don't want to do that. But if your team wins on a Thursday, it's the best night of the week to win. If your team wins on a Thursday, you get to enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'm a Browns fan. I think anybody who's noticed this, who's listening to this show, knows that. And I'll say more about the Browns coming up here in just a second. The Browns beat Cincinnati week two, Thursday night. That weekend was awesome. Got to enjoy Saturday. Got to really just do the show Hickey, Hickey was talking, we're having a good time. Pirano's having a good time. Caller's having a good time. The food tastes better in the words of Mike Pettin. The sex was better. Everything was great. You get to enjoy that whole slate of football on Sunday and just not care. And because I didn't have any pregame festivities, I could start my drinking with my bush lights and my old crow at around 11 o'clock. Maybe even earlier, but I don't want to come off as that much of a drunk to you fine folks. But you can enjoy the whole day. That's the only. It's the best time of the week to win is Thursday night. You win on Sunday at noon or at Sunday in a one o'clock game. Hey, you got your set. You got your Sunday evening. That's a little bit fun. Over the last couple of wins, I'll tell you this: I have, when watching the team that I root for that I just told you, and having to analyze and take notes and do all that because I have a Monday morning show, it's been pretty nice to watch the post game Zoom press conference and then go right out to the cul-de-sac and. Maybe just have a couple of drinks and watch the kids ride around in the cul-de-sac with the other dads in the area and just kind of relax. It's kind of nice. I know I got my game pass. I can watch back. The 425 game's not as good. You got that night game and all of a sudden your evening's over. Monday night sucks. It's the worst night of the week to win. You win on Monday night. You play on Monday night. That means you have to watch all the games beforehand. You're just sitting around waiting for you. It's basically like the last 25 minutes to go from the Johnny Cash song. You're waiting for your execution. You go to the Monday night game. You watch the Monday night game. If you win, you celebrate for like five minutes, if you even celebrate, because it's the beginning of the week. And so now you're just thinking about your next opponent coming up on Sunday. There's no enjoyment. Monday night's the worst night if your favorite football team wins. You don't get any fun out of it. it. Sucks. Thursday night's a good night. But to say, well, we're at Tuesday night. Yeah, we'll watch it, man. We watch everything you do. We'll do it. It's the same reason we're in a marriage. I do everything my wife tells me to do. I don't do it necessarily on time, and I don't like necessarily like doing it. But my wife gives me something that other people aren't able to give me, so I do it for my wife, and I love my wife, just like we love our favorite football teams. Yeah, I'll watch. Doesn't mean I like it. 855-2124-CBS. I want to win a game on a Tuesday night and have to play, what, on the next Monday? Throwing me off here. Don't want to do that. But I saw what the Titans did on, on Tuesday, and there was a bit of a statement there. Almost, it, it became almost like they were the Astros for a week or two. And now that the NFL pretty much isn't going to do anything, which is a little bit surprising, people who were in the know thought that there was going to be some strong, strong statement made by the NFL to discourage a couple of teams from doing things that might be seen as irresponsible they haven't done anything I think there is an understanding here that hey there's a lot of things about this stuff we don't know right now a lot of teams are trying to keep things down and, and keep things the right way and keep things going in, in the right direction but you got a lot of people going into an area and it's going to throw some things off and yeah, so there's going to be some scary stuff the Colts yesterday was scary we found out that those were false positives. We get excited about that. Then we find out what? A Jacksonville practice squad player gets it today. It shuts down the facility of the day before a game. Patriots just reopened theirs up, so there's a lot of catching up that we have to do. A lot of things that we have to move around. So that's inconvenient. But it does give a valid excuse for the Tennessee Titans. And what the Titans did is they backed it all up and they went out there and they beat the Brakes off of Buffalo. Buffalo still a well-coached team. Buffalo's still got a good organization. They have a quarterback who is basically, I would say John Elway who could really run, runs like a deer. You got a lot of good things in Buffalo. And it made me ask a question. Who has the best chance to knock off the Chiefs in the AFC? Tennessee, I think they might have the best. The coaching's there. The system's there. You have an offensive coordinator that might be a head coach in 2021. There's a lot of things that I say – that are very positive for the Tennessee Titans and being able to be the team that can knock off Kansas City. Buffalo, yep, they're in there. Pittsburgh, right now, yep, they're in there. I question some of the ways that they've played so far this year. Their defense, even though they're highly ranked, I believe they're number one right now, their defense is as highly ranked as they are. There's been something missing, and I think a lot of Steelers fans would agree with that. You let... Denver back into the football game, you let Philly back into the football game, there's a couple of scenarios where you really could have choked some teams out, you let those teams back in, it it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. But 4-0 is 4-0, and they're 4-0 for the first time since 79, so credit where it's due. New England, because of Belichick, because of it's New England, you put New England in that mix. Baltimore, definitely in there. Baltimore probably has it the worst out of all these teams. Any game New England wins now, it's fresh, it's new and you're winning with different guys who make it feel like it's a restart with Bill Belichick. You're, you're interested in New England. You're interested in the regular season again. It's the exact opposite in Baltimore. Ever since that loss to Kansas City, and they lost in the postseason, the first round the last two years, you got your quarterback who's an MVP. John Harbaugh's great. Everybody loves him. This is all just one great big precursor. I don't know if there's any win that Baltimore can get that's going to be meaningful at all to any Ravens fan until the postseason starts. We had Ravens fans tweeting at us about that last week. Going, yep, you're right. It's just not as much fun. So they're in this weird holding pattern where I wonder if some teams are going to be or some analysts are not going to be taking Baltimore as seriously when they really should. They're still really a premier team. There's two teams in here that I question. One is Cleveland. They've gone out to a 4-1 start. Their coach is significantly better than last year's coach. Last year's coach was a glorified fan in Freddie Kitchens. I know from that experience. And I like Freddie Kitchens personally, but he's a glorified coach and he shouldn't have been the head coach of that football team. And if they would have left him in any even longer, maybe it would have ruined Baker Mayfield fully. But Cleveland has won four games. They're 4-1. They're 4-1 for the first time since Baker Mayfield's mom was in the first trimester carrying him. And that's a true fact. You can look that one up. I still, with that defense, with their history, I wait for the other shoe to drop. I wait for that other shoe to drop there. With my personal history with that football team, I wait for that other shoe to drop there. I haven't seen it yet. I hope that it doesn't but because of the defense, and there is something where I think the way that the Browns are handling Baker Mayfield is the same way that they handled Ryan Tannehill in Kansas City last year, or handled Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee last year. A lot of, let's take the load off you, be efficient, run an offense, run an offense the right way, just take care of the football. You got running backs behind you. You have a good offensive line, a strong offensive line. Use the running game get good field position, the defense is creating turnovers. Right now I believe they're number one in the NFL. There's a lot there for the same reason last season I didn't want to fully believe in the Tennessee Titans is the same reason I don't want to fully believe in the Cleveland Browns. Because it goes without saying, I think I can start to trust Josh Allen. I do trust Ben Roethlisberger. Lamar Jackson I still do. Cam Newton I still do. I don't know yet with Baker Mayfield. I think the same question is asked with the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Raiders have been a team that I struggle with just because of last year. A lot of people jumped on that Las Vegas bandwagon in their final season in Oakland. They were over 500. Things were going well. The bottom fell out. They finished poorly. And for the same reason there, I'm not sure if I want to believe fully in, in Las Vegas. Your two losses are quality teams. They've played a quality schedule. They have quality wins, obviously, when it comes to Kansas City. The the win over Carolina in week one looks better and better and better because Matt Rule's doing an exceptional job with the Panthers. More on him coming up in a moment. Your losses to New England, New England, the wheels came off in the second half. They tend to do that in New England with or without fans. The other loss to Buffalo, Buffalo's another top team in the AFC that I put right here in this mix. So those losses, even your losses are explainable. But because of my history, I don't want to fully believe. So I put Tennessee number one. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, New England, Baltimore are in that mix. And then Las Vegas and Cleveland on the outside looking in. Who can really knock off the Chiefs? 855 cbs We'll get to you guys when we come back. And do we have to start calling Ryan Tannehill the E-word? Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Looking at Clemson, Georgia Tech right now. It's 31-7 Clemson. Before we get into the Ryan Tannehill stuff, i got to get this going as well. Last week, I told you I wasn't going to fall for the Miami stuff. I'm glad I didn't fall for the Miami stuff. I, I love Zim. Hickey, you know I love Mike Zimmerman. I'm not going to do it again. I tried to whoop it up for him before. I'm not going to do it again. There are some places... When Miami loses like that, I become doubly upset. There are some places they have no excuse whatsoever. It's why I think that Tom Herman is held to a high standard and rightfully should be held to a high standard. Because I got into a Jake Trotter at ESPN earlier this week just about the rivalry the Red River excuse me, Red River rivalry, not Red River shootout, even though it was the game actually was a shootout. And it's just jokes. Oklahoma and Texas are playing. Both teams are. One team's trying to go to three and one. The other team's trying to go to two and two. I go. You go two and two at Ohio State. You go two and two at Alabama. You go two and two at jo- well, not Georgia. Georgia gives you a lot of time. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Now that Dabo's got it going, I can throw Clemson in there. You go two and two at those schools, you get fired. You go two and two at Oklahoma, they give you a gold hat. There are certain schools – I look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, they give you time. There are certain places where if Oklahoma had a bad run like they did in the mid to late 90s, or I should say early to mid 90s, if Oklahoma has a bad run, I actually understand it. Norman, Oklahoma is a beautiful campus. Oklahoma is not in the heart of anywhere. A lot of those Big 12 schools – I I try to give them a little bit more leeway than I do some of the other ones. Lawrence, Kansas, that's why I'm surprised that their basketball is so good. Kansas State, Manhattan, Kansas, and I got to tell you, Lincoln, Nebraska, it's what makes Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne so great. Those schools, when you're in that Great Plains region, those schools have excuses. You're in a place like Austin, Texas, you're in a place like Miami, Florida, you don't have an excuse, man. USC, I know that USC is a private school. You're right there in Los Angeles. You do not have an excuse. The program will do anything to win and sometimes bend the rules to win. You don't have an excuse. That's why I I want Miami to be back. I, I root for Miami to be back. They make college football fun. College football needs teams that people hate. College football needs teams that everybody else hates. Ohio State being good, if you're not an Ohio State fan, you really hate Ohio State. It makes college football fun. A lot of people are hating Alabama now over the last decade. A lot of people are starting – you're starting to see people pick up now that it's been two with Dabo, and Dabo's been shooting his mouth off here and there as a bit as of late. There's a lot more people are starting to hate Clemson now. And I knew going into that game last week, I'm like, man, this is it. – they're going to go out there and get boat raced. And they went out there and they got boat raced. And a place like Miami, ever since Schnellenberger got there, you don't have an excuse the type of athlete that comes from that region, the entire southern tip of Florida. From up from Miami, Florida, up to Daytona, hell, I'd say up to Tampa. You should rope that thing off. All those incredible athletes, the high school football there is incredible. Those guys that just fly. Travis Benjamin from that area, the guy talks about how they would smoke out some of the places. That's some, of the, some of the woods down there where they have some of the fires and they go and chase rabbits, and that's what made him so quick. Just get more. How do you let anybody leave? And that guy played it to you. How do you let any of those guys get out of that region? Should be national championship contenders every single year. The same thing with Texas. You have the biggest state that has some of the best football that you can have. It's a huge landmass. They they preach it. They pay attention to it. They got great athletes there. How you let anybody go to A&M, how you let anybody leave that state to go to Ohio State or Alabama or anywhere is unfounded. You should not be able to ever allow something like that happen. And the same thing with USC. Yeah, Tom Herman should be on the hot seat. I got to give a little bit of time for Miami and their system. Clay Helton should be on the hot seat. I've said it before. I I think Clay Helton's a a pretty good football coach. I don't think he's the right fit for a place like USC. Clay Helton's a a grinder. I will always advocate for Urban Meyer until Urban Meyer officially says he's done. And I just won't believe it even then. You need Hollywood guys to be a coach in Hollywood. And Urban Meyer's as Hollywood as it gets. Let that guy go coach him, let that guy go recruit nationally bring them to L.A., change the way that we see the USC Trojans. There's three schools there that you, you don't have any excuse to be bad. You don't have any excuse to be 8-4. and four. You Let UCLA, and even UCLA doesn't have that excuse, but let a lot of other teams go out and grind it out on their leather ass to 8-4. and four. I'm watching Georgia Tech right now. Georgia Tech, let Georgia Tech be a nice 8-4 and four football team. High academic standards, even though they're in the middle of, of one of the best cities in America that we have to offer, high academic standards, let them go 7-5, and 8-4. and four. There's no excuse for a team like Miami to be anything less than a 10-game winner. I know that the law school's good. I know that the academic standards are a bit high. Some people might disagree, but they are. Places like that, Miami, USC, Texas, you guys win anything less than 10 games in a year, you should be questioning things. Unless that coach is of a legendary status. Unless you already have Urban Meyer. Unless you already have Mac Brown. Mac Brown even got to let go. Unless you already have Schnellenberger or Jimmy Johnson. You can have a nine-win season, even an eight-win season here and there. There is no excuse, no excuse, if you're not winning at a high level. The recruiting, the city, the area. Austin is a fun town. L.A., we've already said it. Miami, I know you're out in Coral Gables. You still have that Miami nightlife. And, God, you got guys like Michael Irvin talking about the U and how it was back in the day when they let the Canes into the clubs more so than they let the Miami Dolphins in there. You have no excuse to not be a a high-time winner if you're any one of those three schools. 855-212-4CBS but I'm just watching Clemson kick everybody's ass waiting for somebody else in the ACC to be taken seriously. Maybe it'll be Notre Dame. I'm not sure. I got to dare ask a question. Is Ryan Tannehill elite? My answer is no. Right now my answer is no. But he's definitely the franchise, and he definitely makes me feel better about something I said a few weeks ago. Hickey was there a couple of weeks ago. I felt like I was a madman, and I don't even know if I made sense in in that segment. Because what I'm seeing now in the NFL, and I think what you're paying attention to as well, Bill Barnwell had a great piece from ESPN a couple of days ago where he had 13 possible trades that could be made. He had Darnold to the Colts. Hickey, how excited? Come on. Fired up. Can he give me that? Phillip Rivers looks so old and he decrepit. He stinks. Oh, my God. When it goes, it goes, and it's gone. Sam Darn- He had Sam Darnold to the Colts. He had Dwayne Haskins to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to get Dwayne Haskins a new lease on life. I want him to have some time to learn, some time to think, some time to grow again. I don't want to give up on Dwayne Haskins. I don't want to give up on Sam Darnold. Plenty of people have on, on either one. I don't want to do it just yet. There's a lot of nasty things that are written in D.C. I pay attention to those guys over there at 106.7. I know that they've had a lot of callers, led some a lot of things about Dwayne Haskins. I don't want to do it just yet. I want to give a guy a shot. I get excited about this because Ryan Tannehill is my poster boy for my argument. Ryan Tannehill has gone from an also-ran, a guy who was overdrafted and thought to be a bust, to the poster boy for my argument about the generation of football that we are going to right now, where we have now. If a trade is very well made, and I will advocate for a trade, I don't know how to do it without making Sam Darnold look bad. I'd love to get his agent involved, but I don't know how to make—I don't know how to do it without making Sam Darnold where, where, where it just comes down on Sam Darnold. I'd love to give him every single excuse in the world. You have Adam Gase. Adam Gase has been terrible. He's been terrible with any quarterback, not with the last name of Peyton Manning, or not with the last name of Manning. I think Peyton Manning has covered up anything that Adam Gase did before. And frankly, I think that Adam Gase has been a fraud. And I'd love to get that out there and say, hey, how could you blame Sam Darnold for wanting to trade? you got very little talent around you. They have traded and moved on to the future. You're getting your head handed to you every single time out there. Now you're not even healthy enough to play. They had Joe Flacco going last week. You can't do anything like this. Get Sam Darnold out of there. Hell, if you get the number one overall pick with the Jets, you know you're going to take Trevor Lawrence. You're not not taking Trevor Lawrence because of Sam Darnold. You're not going to trade out of there because of Sam Darnold. It's done. You might as well get more picks and be able to help out Trevor Lawrence if you get to him. Or possibly Justin Fields or Trey Lance or one of the other ones that could possibly be. Out. Brock Purdy, whoever it could possibly be. I and mean, it's probably a little bit high, but I'm just naming quarterbacks that could possibly be there. And my mind starts to race. Darnold to the Colts with Frank Reich. That offensive line. Hickey's about to pull down his pants right now. That offensive line, the defense, a healthy defense with Darius Leonard. Bobby Okereke making moves, making plays. A couple of guys on that defense, certainly not that bad. A couple of guys a little long on the tooth, but still good. How much better would Sam Darnold look in blue and white? The emerging quarterback market could be here, and I read it with Bill Barnwell, and I get excited and I think it could already be here with Ryan Tannehill. Left down and out, picked up, pulled in, brought in, out of the cold, out of the rain, out of the nastiness with Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel brings him up the right way. Arthur Smith brings him up the right way. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't have to go out, play action, and go crazy like this. Whoa, just hand it off. We have a great big running back in Derrick Henry. He's one of the best. Here, here you go. We'll go and we'll win games. We'll go nine and seven. We'll go over and we'll go under everybody's radar, and then we'll go to Foxborough and we'll punch them in the mouth and end the golden era. Then we'll go to Baltimore when they were having themselves a coronation because everybody thought Baltimore was going to win that game going away, and we'll punch them in the mouth and we'll make Earl Thomas look bad. And we'll go and we'll win that game and we'll go to the AFC Championship game. And if they lose the Kansas City Chiefs, who the hell cares? Everybody else does. And then we'll come back and we'll be even better. And we will go after everybody with a vengeance. And now it looks like we are on a collision course between Kansas City and Tennessee and here's Ryan Tannehill and even though I don't use the term elite can't do that yet I know that CBS went nuts with it I can say franchise and now I don't have to keep looking towards every baby that comes up from college football and having to put them in untenable situations now coaching matters And a guy like Ryan Tannehill can revitalize his career. The same with a guy like Sam Darnold. The same possibly like a guy with Dwayne Haskins. The same possibly maybe even a guy like Daniel Jones if they have to make serious changes over in New York with the Giants. And he has not been very impressive this year. And maybe even some of the guys who are a little longer in the tooth. Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, either one of those guys. More teams are going to tank. More teams with good coaches can claim that talent. What some of these guys could do, what some of these coaches out here can do, think about the names, the guys who coach, who coach in the NFL that you would take if you're one of the guys who are a fan of a bad football team, any one of the guys you would drive there and then turn your car in and pull those guys back to your city in a rickshaw. Those guys with some of those names, Stafford, Ryan, the guys who are a little bit older, Jones to revitalize his career, maybe Haskins, even though I know that that one's a stretch, I understand. Sam Darnold, the emerging QB market where there are guys who pick up and they come to the NFL and now it's expected. You have to play well when you first get into the NFL. Defenses can't change right now. They don't have a lot of tape on you. They weren't able to do a lot in the preseason anyway. It's become now as a quarterback, if you're not impressive in your first outings as a rookie, you're in big, big trouble. That's why it should be expected that Justin Herbert does well. But this new market, Reich, Sean Payton, maybe even Matt Nagy, guys with coaching, decent organizations, a good culture, just like raising kids, they're important as ever. And now you have these players, these guys with talent, that their teams are going to move on, and they can be plucked. Ryan Tannehill has gone from a guy I didn't even think about to maybe my favorite quarterback in this league. 855-2124-CBS, 855 227 Coming up next, I got one thought on Dan Quinn. I think the NFL better – or the NBA better hope that you love players more than you love your own hometown team, how well that's going to go. And I finally found a national holiday on your calendar at work or on your calendar in your home office. I have finally found a national holiday that is the dumbest national holiday we have. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855 That's the toll free line. Speak now, forever hold your peace. And it's brought to you by the fine folks at Geico. Geico is offering an extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. That's on top of what they can already save you. Get to geico.com to save more. And as soon as I know what to say about the CBS lineup that's coming up on Sunday, I'm going to get that to you fine folks because it's important. My computer completely crashed, so I'm trying to open up Word for the third time today, and when this thing opens up, buddy boy, you are going to get a read unlike you've never heard in your life, folks. You guys are going to go, man, Don Pardo in his life sucked compared to Ken Carmen. Johnny Gilbert in 95-year-old Johnny Gilbert has just wasted his entire career with Jeopardy after I read you what I'm about to read you right now because tomorrow it is week six of the NFL on CBS and most of you will see an AFC Central clash between Baker Mayfield's Browns and Big Ben Steelers along with other regional action. The day begins with James Brown and the guys breaking it all down with the hottest topics around the league on the NFL Today starting at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, tomorrow only on CBS. Take that, Johnny Gilbert. Take that, Microsoft Word. Dan Quinn gave me a thought. I wanted to talk a little bit about LeBron and players. Dan Quinn gave me a thought earlier this week when he got canned. And he probably should have been canned at the end of last season because, you know, a a new head coach could have started off 0-5 as well. All the new coaches that came in. You notice this, by the way. You guys got to pay attention to this. Now, Ron Rivera, I put him in a different area. I'm not going to sit there and put him in the same category as Mike McCarthy. Ron Rivera is dealing with – first, he's dealing with some serious stuff personally, and he's dealing with some serious stuff with his organization. So I don't even want to put Ron Rivera in there. But Mike McCarthy – Mike McCarthy basically has had his fellas cut off for him by his own organization. Mike Sando was with us last week and said that, hey, they're just – it's a continuation of what was going on with Jason Garrett. That's why they held on to Jason Garrett for so long, and Mike McCarthy just wanted to be a head coach so bad. That's the way it goes. Great. Glad to see you're really going to be able to prove everybody wrong there, Mike. But we were all worried because of the pandemic, and rightfully so. We didn't know that, man, Kevin Stefanski's taken over a football team that, yeah, they were such a downer last year. They were such a disappointment last year. You're going to put a new coach in there and put training wheels on that guy, and now there's no OTAs or minicamps or even preseason games, and we're going to have this. This ain't going to be very good. Same thing with Matt Rule. Panthers are three and two, looking good, looking good, looking tough, and the Browns are four and one, and are in a pivotal matchup tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Boy, that new well, that new wave of thinking's going pretty well in the NFL, is it not? Stefanski rule. I know that not a lot of people want to give a lot of credit, myself included, to Matt Lafleur because he has Aaron Rodgers, but hey, someone's got to draw him up, and Aaron Rodgers had a serious problem with Mike McCarthy, and now Mike McCarthy's down in Dallas, and Mike McCarthy could have some problems on his own hands here. So credit where it's due. Because at first, when Dan Quinn came back to the Atlanta Falcons, a lot of people rolled their eyes and then COVID hit and a lot of people thought, okay, well, they'll probably be in a better situation. Any new coach could start off 0-5. But I thought with Dan Quinn, could we have done Dan Quinn a favor? Could the Falcons have done Dan Quinn a favor? And Arthur Blank doesn't want to do this. He wants to be a stable owner. He wants the Falcons to be a stable franchise. So this is total honesty, this is in hindsight. This is with the advantage of hindsight. This is not in real time. But could Arthur Blank have done Dan Quinn a favor by putting him out of his misery 2 years ago? They come back, they go 10 and 6 after the Super Bowl. They they lose the divisional round then they go 7 and 9. Say they fire Dan Quinn after that first 7 and 9 season, not after the second one, after the first one. Is Dan Quinn a head coach again? Go back to then. Try to answer that going back to then. Very well he might not be, but if Dan Quinn isn't given the opportunity to go 7-9 and nine again with a new generation, more offensive-minded guys, if he's not given the opportunity to go 7-9 and nine again and then 0-5, oh is Dan Quinn a head coach again in the NFL? He's proven politically he can do the job. He can be a face of a franchise as a head coach. Now, after going 7-9 and nine a couple of years and now going 0-5, with the way that things look, I don't think he's ever going to be a head coach ever again. Maybe an interim head coach at some point. I don't think Dan Quinn's ever a head coach again. These things tend to tend to ping-pong back off one, one wall and over the other over a very quick period of time. Owners are crazy, and they love to follow trends. So the young offensive mind, all it takes is for a couple of those guys to implode or a defensive guy, Mike Rabel, uh, to go out and win a Super Bowl, and maybe they'll change some things again. But is Dan Quinn given a job? Would you believe wholeheartedly after a Super Bowl that if you were fired early, it's so much easier to go, Well, that's the Falcons, that's Arthur Blank. But now he's fired late, I don't think there's any chance in hell he becomes a head coach again. I don't know, Hickey, maybe you disagree, but I I, I keep thinking if Dan Quinn was maybe put out of his misery two years ago instead of this year, maybe Dan Quinn's a head coach again in the NFL this year. I would agree with that. You give it a year or two, the shine all of a sudden off the losses comes off and people are intrigued again oh, well, he got this team in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. Let's see if he can do yep. that magic again. To your point, it's gotten so bad where that stink unfortunately is going to stick to him for a it, very long time. If Dan Quinn is fired after that first seven nine and 7-9 year and we have the openings that we had this last season, Carolina, Washington, Dallas, Cleveland, Joe Judge, I forgot about him with the Giants, gosh, I, I don't know because you had already gone with Pat Sherman, that one wouldn't make sense, but if you have those same openings – Hey, they're interested in Dan Quinn. The Cowboys are... The the Browns are interested in Dan Quinn. Browns are interested in him. Well, you know, they went to a Super Bowl. Hey, that was that was Kyle Shanahan's fault they didn't win that Super Bowl. They were leading. They were up 28-3. to three. Dan Quinn should have a big ring. That was Kyle Shanahan's fault. Hey, hey, whoa. Oh, this guy, now he's been a good defensive coordinator for so-and-so over the last year. Maybe this guy needs to be a head coach again. Hey, Arthur Blank. Hey, owners make decisions, poor decisions all the time. Now... If you were in that mix, the only way you are probably going to hear Dan Quinn as a head coach again is if he's an interim head coach for a guy who he works for who gets fired. That's about it. Because now with this younger coach scenario, with a different level of thinking, and I mean different level of it's an offensive mind, it's an analytical view. Not that Dan Quinn refused to embrace analytics. I don't know, I'm not John Kincaid. He could speak more of that tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Not that he refused anything like that, but now I think that this is going to be a trend. If the Browns make the postseason, if the if Matt Rule and the Panthers make the postseason, you're already seeing McVay. I think the the Rams are right back to where they wanted to be. Man, they're kicking ass and taking some names here. Cliff Kingsbury in, in Arizona. If if it, I know they've had a rough three weeks there until they got a get right game against the Jets, but after that, if they're able to make the postseason, where do we find the the room for those defensive guys it might be based on Rabel might be based on on a copycat league but I don't think a guy like like Dan Quinn gets a job again as a head coach 855-2124-CBS Hickey I found the worst holiday ever I finally get to say this to you I should have came back with it and I was just so excited to talk about Dan Quinn of all people yesterday I had a friend of mine I leave you guys with this Yesterday, I had a friend of mine who texted in our group chat because now we just, nobody has one-on-one tweets or texts anymore. We just have threads now in America. And he sent something where I actually took personal offense to it. Now, I'm not going to say what line of work he's in, but he is actually a boss. He is a, not like, you you're the boss. No, he is a boss of the company that he is in. And I didn't know yesterday, Hickey, was National Bosses Day. Not a clue either, by the way. And he shows us, he opens up this, this card, and I'm, I'm not sure who's listening. I don't want to get the guy in trouble because I'm sure he didn't say anything. But he gets this card, and it's signed by the people in his office, and it says, Happy Bosses Day. Happy, thank you. Thank, one, it says, thank you for all you do. The other ones are, Happy Bosses Day. Thanks. And there's a card that's a $25 gift card. And I thought, finally, we have it. Like the donut days and the National Jedi Day and the National whatever day that's always on a pool calendar, on a desk calendar, whatever it is, those are always fine. National Ice Cream Days, seems like we have a dozen of those a year. The National Days, those are National Dog Day, National Radio Day, National Movie Day. Those I've never never given a second thought to. Some are actually kind of kitschy and kind of fun. National Bosses Day is the dumbest holiday we could possibly think of. And if you're celebrating National Bosses Day, if you're celebrating National Bosses Day, you're basically trying to be a kiss-ass. And if you're accepting gifts of an, at, at, at National Bosses Day as a boss, you really need to knock that off right now. If I'm the boss of anybody, I don't think I'll ever be a boss. The boss shouldn't have to accept gifts. The boss shouldn't accept gifts. They're the boss. That's what they should do. They shouldn't have to accept gifts. Their gift is that the person goes to work every day. I've never had to give my boss a gift. My boss has given me gifts. I don't want them. My gift comes every two weeks, and it's not even a gift. I earn my paycheck. We don't need to exchange gifts here. National Bosses Day, I need to thank my my boss for what? What if my boss is a goof? Now I have to give my boss a gift for National Bosses Day because everybody else has given my boss a gift? And how many people have you ever worked for that everybody loves the boss? Has there ever been a situation in real life except for a co-op That everybody who works for a company, I mean everybody, loves the boss. There is not a chance in hell. What's the company, it was was featured on CBS Sunday Morning, where the boss is turning it over and handing over his company? I think it's a big jelly maker that's handing over his company to to his employees. You can guarantee there's people working on the line that say, I hate that guy, he sucks. There's not a chance in hell that everybody loves the boss. So what, I have to chip in for a gift? I have to chip in for a gift. Why? Because you keep me employed. Congratulations for keeping us uh, keeping us afloat. I have to buy you a card. I have to get you a gift card. I don't need to get you a gift card. You're supposed you're the boss. You're supposed to make more money than me. It's supposed to be the other way around, and it really shouldn't even be the other way around. I don't need to get you a gift. I don't need gifts. The boss shouldn't need gifts, and really the employees don't need gifts. Every time the bo- boss buys anything for anybody, it's never enough. It should always be more. Hickey, I've shared, I've shared that story with you because I have had bosses who have tried to do something nice and have tried to do a nice gesture, and immediately you heard people going, wow, that's it, huh? That's all we get? That's all we got out of this year? That's all we work? And when you think about the expense when you have 40 or 50 employees in a certain station or something like that, yeah, it is actually expensive compared to what they do and you should be thankful for the gesture but i'm not even thankful for the gesture i don't even want the gift who wants to celebrate national bosses day how many people really enjoy their bosses nobody 100% no you're not meant to be friends with your boss you're not supposed to celebrate national bosses day my job is my job i don't need to get you a card I don't need to get you gifts Celebrate another day. How about National Clock Day? How about National Bottled Water Day? How about National Candle Day? How about National Whiskey Glass Day? How about National Coffee Mug Day? How about National Television Remote Day? How about National Laptop Day? How about National Staples Optiflow Pens Day? I'm just naming things on my desk that would make better days than National Bosses Day. How about National Throw Rug Day? How about National Lamp Day? How about National Sound Baffles Day? Anything that I can think of that I just see on my walls are better than National Bosses Day. But National Bosses Day, for anybody and anybody who might be listening in the Midwest, still better than Sweetest Day. Big thanks to everybody who joined us today. Marco Belletti, Erica Herskowitz, Anthony Pierno, Ryan Hickey. They were fantastic. I'm Ken Carmen. The Pony Express is next. Have a wonderful weekend, my friends.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.